In this episode, I interview Dr. Jin Ong, who's a cathartic release therapist. Now, very recently, Dr. Jin held a workshop for the Total Somatics members, and it was such a fascinating workshop that I asked her if she would actually do a podcast with me, because I want to share with you the wealth of knowledge and information that she has, so you too can benefit. So enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to the Somatic Movement and Mindset podcast with me, clinical somatic educator and founder of Total Somatics, Heidi Hadley. The Somatic Movement and Mindset podcast has been designed to help you gain a deeper understanding to how your mind and body work. You will learn about your amazing mind and body and why over time you can feel pain, recurring injuries and poor posture. Within this podcast, I will teach you why this doesn't have to be your future or the norm for you. Would you like to learn how to reduce pain, move freely and gain a new lease of life? Let's get started. Hello and welcome back. Now today I'm really excited to introduce to you Dr. Jin Ong. Now Dr. Jin is a world-leading cathartic release therapist who transforms lives through her powerful online emotional release coaching and she also does exclusive one-on-one retreats. Dr. Jin also has a podcast entitled The Art of Listening to Your Body. So I'm so excited to bring her in today. She's actually recently held a workshop for the Total Somatics members. So I love bringing experts in. And that's why I wanted to share this podcast with you because she's a wealth of information and experience. And because of that reason, I'd like to hand it over to Dr. Jin. So first of all, um, Jin, do you mind me calling you Jin and keeping it less of a I prefer it. Um, So can you tell us a bit about your story, how you came to this really rewarding area of your life? That would be wonderful. Yeah. So I started off as an osteopath, as a physical therapist, treating clients face-to-face in a clinic. And I remember feeling really disgruntled with my work about four years in because I wasn't getting results with a very small handful of my clients. And that started to bring me down. However, I knew that other stuff was going on in their life, especially around emotional stress. And I could feel it. I could read it in their body, but I just didn't quite know how to approach it. And it was through my own experience of my pain story, which is really around skin and cystic acne, that I was led down a path of my own self-discovery and then learned how I could actually facilitate this work and really understand the mind-body connection deeper with and for my clients. So, yeah, it was I think for a lot of us as practitioners, we go through our own pain story and then that allows us to gain a lot of interest around a particular type of clientele. However, I have become a little bit more generalised over the period of time, uh, interweaving Eastern philosophies into what I do. And yeah, you don't have to put people into a box or really niche down with this, which is really cool. So yeah, my pain story, it went on for a little while, cystic acne and stress was really increasing. I felt really great in life. I was working in Brisbane at the time and everything was cool. So work was good. Money was good. Friendships were good. Um, but, and I couldn't really make sense of why this stress was building in my body. And I remember feeling like I was about to trigger an autoimmune condition in my body because I'd seen my clients being there. I knew how it presented 
And so how it was playing out for me was my skin was bad, but then I started breaking out in rashes. I kept on getting sick with fevers. I had really stiff joints, especially in my ankles. And I always say like I couldn't walk down the stairs in the apartment that I was living in without holding onto the handrail. And I had a lot of pain in my body as well. And I'm not usually someone to have physical pain in my body. And I was taking Nurofen, I was taking Panadol, and I felt really incongruent as an osteopath pushing myself to work whilst I was telling my clients that they needed to take a step back. And I didn't really understand how hard it was to do that. And so I guess I was going through this lived experience <laughs> so that I could have a little bit more empathy and compassion for my clients. So yeah, it was at this point, I still thought I was wanting to delve into this on a professional sense, but I discovered psychosomatic therapy. And it really was because I stumbled across a practitioner found him on the internet on a page that shouldn't exist anymore. So that's a bit of serendipity. <laughs> and he worked down the road from where I was staying at this point in time. And he was a massage therapist, but he did all this mind-body psychosomatic work. And I couldn't actually really comprehend what he was saying to me. And only years and still many years later, the stuff he says to me drops in. And I kept on going back. And this is where I say my body must have heard something and it just kept on drawing me back because my mind couldn't make sense of this. It couldn't intellectualize it. And then I was like, oh, what, what is this thing that you do? And I started sending a lot of my clients to him and they started to get shifts. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to know how I could do that for my clients. And so he said, it's this thing called psychosomatic therapy. I'm thinking about doing the training in it. And I was like, sign me up. I'm on board. I'll, I'm going back to New Zealand, but I'll fly back and I'll do your course. Just tell me when it starts. And so I really had a connection with him. And yeah, little did I know that I would learn a lot about myself and also putting myself into that group environment where other people were getting vulnerable as well is I got to... I got to really understand how we're all humans. We all have our issues, but often we just don't talk about it in such an open and supportive environment. So yeah, it was psychosomatics was a real pivotal point for me in my career. And that's when I started to communicate and delve into the mind-body connection and speaking about emotions and actually doing something about people's emotions uh, in my treatments. And that's when I started to get shifts and results for people who you know, had been to see tons of therapy because as an osteopath, a lot of people come to us as a last resort. So yeah, I started to get shifts in them. And so fast forward is a lot of people stopped coming to see me because I was an osteopath, more because of the results they saw in their friend, the changes that were happening in their life, not just on the physical level, but in their relationships, in their jobs, in their careers, all sorts of things. I, well, what happened for me to fix my skin part of, part of this what I realized my skin was trying to tell me is that I wasn't expressing myself and I knew that I was holding back information I thought that I couldn't talk about this stuff as an osteopath talk about emotions and help people release and process their emotions and so I moved away from um, Brisbane and Part of what I learned when I got into learning a bit more about Ayurveda was that also the hot and humid climate was not good for my constitution. So even though everything seemed really great, yes, I wasn't expressing myself fully at work, but also I was in a really bad environment for my constitution. It just triggered me. So I had some time, 
had a baby and also got a, the opportunity to reflect on what is the business I want to create. And if my skin is telling me this and all of the natural and conventional stuff isn't able to help me with my skin, is, it, is that really all I have to do is I have to express myself and start speaking my truth. And I was pretty desperate. <laughs> I was spending a lot of money. So I thought, okay, I'll do it. I'll give it a go. And it was hard. Like there was a lot of resistance. And as I kept on just giving myself that little nudge and getting support from coaches to do this, my skin started to clear up and everything else in my life started to flow as well. So yeah, I really, for me, that my skin stuff went on for more than 15 years. And it still does flare every now and then, but nowhere near as bad as it ever was. It was all over my face, my chest and my back. It was quite painful. But if I get a little breakout or if I get a little rash, I can now look at it and go, okay, what are you trying to tell me? What's going on? Where do I need to reassess what I've just done the last few weeks? Where can I take stress away? And yeah, keep on, keep on stepping into a low level of discomfort, like I enjoy the resistance now because I know that there's going to be a breakthrough on the other side. And yeah, so then I launched into really diving deep with my clients and becoming, I guess, less of an, a traditional osteopath. And then COVID hit last year, um, my clinic shut down, I have two clinics and staff. And yeah, Fear drove me to launch into the online space, which was the most amazing thing, as you probably know, yeah. to be able to access people all around the world. And I started teaching practitioners how to facilitate this work with their clients and go a level deeper. And then it's just evolved hugely in the last year. I think it's wonderful as well, because when you were mentioning that whole um, side of things, you know, we've chatted before and um, like in Total Somatics, we talk about somas. So like that's your whole being, so like your emotional mental energetic physical well-being the whole thing encompasses it and we always say that somas so exist in time so it's like whatever is going on in your life whatever things are happening it kind of shapes and molds you but it's kind of tapping into the intelligence of your entire system isn't it and i mean that's why your podcast listening to your body it's all about listening and becoming mm. really sensitive to all that sensory feedback because when you mentioned earlier, it just made me think how in like that sort of traditional sort of setup, people can talk in with about the body in mechanical ways and they liken the body to a car or whatever it is. But, you know, you look and you think, well, a car can't actually keep replacing it itself. You know, you have to take parts out and replace it. Whereas our amazing Soma, you know, our liver and all these different tissues, they will continue to uh, reproduce and, and create fresh cells the whole time. So when we realize there's this intelligence within, it's actually then tapping into that, isn't it? Yeah. And looking at it at a much deeper level, because I remember because I was doing a locum in Brisbane, I was there for six months, then I moved back to New Zealand for six months. And then I went back to Brisbane the second six months. I thought, you know, uh, I've got a different body, I've got a new gut, I've got new skin, I'm not going to get this problem again. Mm. However, I did go back and four weeks to the date, very much like the first time my skin reacted the same way. And this is where I was like, okay, well, what's going on? If I have these new cells and everything, I then had to look a level deeper into Ayurveda and the impact of the environment. I think so many people don't realize that even though you were born somewhere, it doesn't mean that you'll actually thrive there. That's right. Because I really was in survival mode and having to 
do things to keep my body in balance in that environment. And then it was also looking deeper into, okay, what is the message here, the emotions? And yeah, as you say, so many people do look at the body very as very mechanically and even when they're trying to grasp this mind body work and understand what is this condition what is this presentation trying to tell me they're still looking at it very mechanically so i've actually come out of telling people so much what does this condition mean because it's actually the whole picture and all of the story of everything else that's going on mentally as well not just physically yeah, and, and that's the thing, is it? You can see why the, that expression so exists in time because it really depends on, as you say, your location, what's happening in your life. And, and one thing I just want to bring out is like mindset is massive, isn't it? And it's huge, huge impact. And in your profile on your website, you, you stated in your sort of bio, you put the, in your own personal journey that you learned to acknowledge that the outbursts in your body was letting you know something in your life was out of balance. And then you said for the first time, you could look at your body with amusement for what it was telling you rather than hate and frustration. And those two words, hate and frustration, the energy that's required for that is exhausting in itself, isn't it? Whereas when there's that amusement, I mean, it's like I, I'll often say to the members, a curiosity, because when you have this curiosity, it takes the pressure off your shoulders. And it's like a child, you're just curious, going, hmm. But there's no judgment. You're just noticing what's happening, isn't it? And it and you mentioned in that bio as well about it being a lesson. So it's like life lessons. We're constantly wanting to be uh, understanding what's happening within our entire soma, really. Yeah, it's hard to see the lesson. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember it was after I had educated myself about psychosomatics and, you know, I went from a very academic brain to having to delve into all of these Eastern philosophies but it was the second time when I went to Brisbane, not only did I have the cystic acne again, but that's when my skin broke out in a rash. But it was the position of the rash that was really interesting. It was in my belly button. It was on all of my joint lines. And because I had learned about chakras and the location of where emotions are stored in the body, I was like, oh, I know exactly what you're trying to tell me. And so I then had to step up and make some hard decisions around uh, I left that job early. It's the first job I've ever left. And thankfully, the guy that I was working for at the time was very understanding um, and could see that there was something deeper that I still needed to, <laughs> to work through. So yeah. let me go. And, and I'm sure you agree with this, because, again, when we're looking at like, the whole global holistic side of things, a lot of people will see a pain, see the pain and go, that's where the issue is. But that's mm. sometimes just the symptom, isn't it? And like when you're talking about the chakras or those energy centers, there's so much going on elsewhere that um, sometimes it's like this neon lights flashing. It's like it's here. But there's this because of sort of having that real cerebral cortical thinking, how can I problem solve out of this? You do, it's not an actually a, a listening internally to what's happening, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I think that sometimes we get hit by some pretty painful illnesses, physical issues, or evil, even like the mental stuff that it makes us completely slow down and get out of our head and give us that space and time to really reflect on, okay, what is going on? And, and I think, you know, uh, you said a couple of things and it made me think at the time, you know, when you met the psychosomatic therapist and it was at a time that you needed that, isn't it? And it's that expression, what is it? When the student is ready, the teacher will show up or arrive. But it's not just that, but it's also um, the, the fact that you were ready to deal with a whole new 
mindset shift and belief systems. And again, it's about belief systems because, you know, I'll often mention this to members and I'm sure you'll say the same is that, you know, people will go, oh, I, I like doing this. And I'll go, but sometimes if you look, it's that sort of thing that's led us down this path now, uh, you know, where we are now. Could we start looking at other situations and standing back and having soft eyes and approaching it with a different concept? Does, does that make sense? You know, it's oh, yeah. kind of being accepting of other things because sometimes we can just have like that confirmation bias. We only want to stick with one thing. You've got to be open to it, haven't you, really? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, some people feel like they've got to be really educated to understand this. I'm like, actually, it's better if you're not, because then you don't come in with these set beliefs and you are a little bit more flexible. And sometimes it's just the way you ask a question. It's like, ask out of curiosity and yeah, just know and trust that this information, it might not make sense for you now, but it'll stay with you if it's meant to, and you will understand it further down the track. So just to remove that, remove that judgment and allow yourself the possibility of, well, what if you did believe in this? But take what you want and leave what you don't like. So what are some of your accounts? I, I would say success stories, Jin, but, you know, when people say success, they kind of expect this huge eureka moment. And yet sometimes the success could be just to be able to read their internal environment. That could be a massive thing, but they yeah. expect it to be this whopping big thing in their life, you know. <laughs> um, but what kind of accounts have you had over the time of, of people having huge shifts and changes? Yeah, yes, it's different for everyone and it's different for different personalities and different constitutions. And that's something that I've had to come to understand because even calling myself a cathartic release therapist, I realise that's really kind of big and scary for some people. And I used to, and I still do, I love it when people get what I call the big purges on the physical, emotional and the physiological level. It's really fascinating. But I've also had to let people know that it doesn't mean because you don't get a big cathartic release that this is a failure. Yeah. Sometimes you actually just need to tune into the small stuff. And generally, as you go along this path, if you did have the big cathartic releases, they're going to get less and less. And it doesn't mean, again, that you're not doing it right, but it's just that there was so much to come out of your body now, then, and now there is less and less. And so you don't want to shock your nervous system <laughs> constantly yeah. and repeatedly. So... Oh, gosh. So it can be big physical stuff in terms of people that I've seen who have had multiple therapists look at them or even had surgery for certain things and still have their pain or keep on getting recurrent illnesses or um, their disease state flaring up. And so, yeah, being able to rid their pain. Now, I haven't necessarily done it because it's very much they have to they have to do the processing. They have to do the work as well. But a lot of physical pain that's been very chronic has been able to shift for people, sometimes in a matter of weeks. Other times it can take months or a little bit longer. Um, so, yeah, recurrent chest infections that have needed, like, constant rounds of antibi antibiotics, people have been able to shift. Um, it's also trying to help people shift the fear of the illness coming, um, coming back uh other things have been big stuff like in my courses there's usually someone who there's usually someone who breaks up from a relationship or gets into a new relationship there's also people who resign from a job <laughs> and then we've had pregnancies on some courses and with one-to-one -one clients as well so those are some 
big ones that we celebrate, like, oh my gosh, look at the power of this work. But then it can also be the more subtle stuff, like my communication is better. I found that I spoke up for myself. I am more aware of sensation versus being numb in my body. I am seeing, like, they're seeing the signs, they're seeing the messages. So, a deeper level of awareness, more sensation in their body. And sometimes it can be just getting them out of the masculine mode of doing and being busy for the sake of it and driving all the time and getting them more into their feminine space of just slowing down, finding the joy and creativity in their life. So it's more subjective. It's like, well, what does success mean to you? And are you holding too high expectations on yourself to, you know, by the end of six weeks or three months to have a new job, a new partner (laughs) or a more loving relationship and no pain in your body and for this thing that's been there for 10 years to go away. (laughs) And it can happen for some people, but it's like, okay, we've got to work into your constitution, your story. Yeah. And Let's just work on it. I'm really big on not being attached to any outcome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, Jin, because that's the thing, you know, when you mentioned the different people that are coming into your life. So there's different uh, personal histories. They've got different personalities, haven't they? Different cultures as well. So do you have like a standalone process or do you have like this toolbox and you'll bring different things out according to maybe like their personality makeup or, you know, whatever the situation is? Do you have a specific process or are there various ones? Yeah. So I do have a specific process. But how someone's going to respond to it and how easily they're going to implement the process, that's where I look at their personality type and I use the Ayurvedic doshas to work out how quickly someone is going to take up the process and how they're usually going to have a release and how they're going to progress. And so you can usually tell them at the start how they're going to feel when they're working through this in a group or with one-to-one coaching. Uh, And it's really fascinating as it plays out. So it was what helped me as a therapist as well before I was really doing this work, the emotional work, was to adapt how I operated according to the client that was in front of me rather than you must do it my way because some people are just so scarred by therapists because they feel like such a failure because they didn't do the thing and so then they box all therapists under that title as um as bad right (laughs) so i do think that as therapists it really pays off for us to learn a little bit more about other people's personalities and how we can adapt how we present our information to them and the expectations as well so yeah i've got a um a set process that i like people to to go through with me but also for them to learn this lifelong tool of emotional processing Um, I want them to get that so they can take it away. But how quickly someone grasps that, it depends on their emotional history, how much conditioning and um, how willing they are to change their belief systems, how willing they are to give things a go. Um, And, yeah, then there's definitely some personalities who like to drive hard. There's other ones that get really excited, but then they get overwhelmed. And then there's the ones that are just slow like tortoises, but they get there in the end. And that personality type usually are the ones that, unfortunately, they have had lots of therapists and um, it's the therapist that gives up on them because they're not getting results fast enough. Yeah. And I think that's where that it comes in that two-way isn't it the trust and that that kind of um 
it is two way really because um, they need to have that trust. And if they've been through the system like that, then they have got a belief system that they're just going to be. I don't use don't like to use this expression, but they'd be used and then dumped because that's a lot yeah. of the time that's how they they feel, and it's like they yeah. sort of keep losing this power, and and, a, and that's where it is really, isn't it? When you learn to read yourself from the inside out, that power starts to to return, but it's working at your timeline because, yeah. as you say, different personalities, and it really depends on what's going on in a person's life at that point. If they've got lots yeah. of other demands, caring for elderly parents, or they've got children, they still want to create that time, but. Do you see this, Jing, where sometimes um, people get that recurring emotional stuff showing up again because because of the situation they're around, it's almost like a bit of a trigger for them anyway. How do you manage that? Yeah, so I think it's just more creating the awareness because when people have the repeated themes happening in their life, they feel like they're constantly taking a step backwards. And again, they have this resent for this issue turning up rather than, okay, what is the lesson in this that I'm not listening to that I could change my behaviour, I could change my communication around so that I can prevent this? So I often say that it is one big event that happens or a belief or conditioning that you have and you'll keep having these repeated themes, you'll keep attracting the toxic relationships or the friends that treat you really poorly because you haven't dealt with the core problem and it's your energy that attracts this as well. So it's getting people to understand, okay, there is a message, there is a lesson in this. You can't just sweep it under the carpet. Otherwise, it's going to keep on happening in some shape, way or form. So if you know what's happening, let's do something about it. And it is often through this emotional uh, release process. It's not just emotional. I call it more the release process, but most people get it when I say taking you through an emotional release process, that's when you can get to the root of it and have so much awareness and take responsibility of your role in this happening and then make changes. Mm. You know what's not working. So then, okay, if you have a role and a responsibility in this, what can you change so you don't find yourself in this situation that essentially drains more of your energy? And I'd assume as well from this that some of the energy starts to return when it's, you know, if you say to them, can you see this pattern? And they go, it's been there all my life. And I didn't see this pattern at all. You've just yeah. shown me. And already, it's already, they're starting to go, I'm, I now can see, or they're more receptive to the the techniques that you do, isn't it? Because sometimes it's blatantly obvious, but you need somebody else to kind of encourage you to notice it. Because it's so subconscious, you've just been living like that so long. This patterning is just part of your lifestyle and behavior. And then they go, oh, there it is. And that that could be the success story in itself, but, you know, before you've even gone a step further. Yeah, oh, absolutely. So it's just, it's having the ability to reflect on, okay, what did I get out of this? And not to compare myself to my friend or that other person's testimonial that I want to get results like that. Like it is inspiring to read that kind of stuff. But your success story is what have you been able to acknowledge and what do you know now that you can implement change around? So, and yeah, as, as a coach, as a therapist, I love to call people out on this and because so many people are too scared to tell their friend that, do you not realise that the last 10 relationships, the same thing has happened? It's hard to talk about that. Yeah, it can is. be confronting. It is. When you start looking at different parts of your life and, and it does start to just create, coming right back down to a root cause, doesn't it? And you say like the interpersonal relationships, your emotional well-being. Sometimes you can be such a giver. 
You can give, mm. give, give all the time. And then people are just completely deflated. And it, it's still coming all the way back to that, isn't it? It's a fascinating work, Jin. And I was, I was going to ask, um, I know you mentioned earlier about, you know, we don't want to kind of extract and say, just look at one health issue because, you know, we look globally at everything. But the way that the world is, you know, there's some big shifts that are happening emotionally. And and because life, you know, the expression, it's like a, a journey, we're kind of up and down, there's different times that we could be having these breakthroughs, and then something comes along, and it can knock us back. When people have things like gut issues and other issues like that, what how does that show up in your practice? Or what kind of processes do you to support people with? Because they might feel that they've released some burden emotionally, but again, it might show up elsewhere, and then they think, have I taken a step back? But it's oh, yeah. literally just you're kind of absorbing what's happening at that moment in time. And it's just, again, peeling that layer of onion away, you know, as we yeah. find a deeper area to, to address. Oh, absolutely. So this is a big thing that I talk about. When people find that safe therapist, that safe thing to do, or they step into their their destiny and their pathway, sometimes more pain can come up. And it can be confusing if you don't have the right guidance and support to work out, is this coming up, this challenge, because it's telling me I shouldn't be going down this pathway? Or is it coming up because I'm stepping into I'm stepping into my path and it's just checking if I can overcome these challenges and overcome this discomfort. So it is really common for you to go in thinking that you've got gut issues and do some release or therapy work on it. It clears and then something else pops up in your body. And then people think, well, I'm just opening up the can of worms. I came here to fix my gut issues, but now I have back pain and now I've got migraines. Now for me, I say to them, don't look at that as a bad thing. You've had these gut issues for so long. We've taken that away. So now your body is in this safe space. It knows that it has the capability and ability to, to process this. So it's giving you the next thing that's been suppressed there for so long to come up, to be addressed and to be healed and processed. So yeah, after your low back pain goes, we'll deal with the migraines, the headaches, and then something else might come up, but we're peeling away those onion layers, as you say. And yeah, it's having that guidance, as I said, to work out, is it because your body is now safe, it can release all of these traumas and all of these stored emotions that are presenting physically, or is it because you are actually putting yourself into a higher stress state and you are heading down the wrong path? Yeah. And, and I think this is that whole epigenetics as well, isn't it? So when we look and we think, you know, people go, well, again, say the gut issue, the mindset can come back in. Well, you know, it's a family issue. Of all, we've all had it. And you think, yeah, but we can still do tweaks and we can do changes and we can look at lifestyle factors and, and bring those in. And is that the sort of things that you do within your, your approach with the clients as well? Yeah, absolutely. I so agree with you is that just because your family have got it doesn't mean that you have to express that gene. You might have it, but you don't have to activate it in a stressful environment. And yeah, I think more my approach around introducing lifestyle stuff is that a lot of us in Western society are very masculine driven. We're into the doing. What's the next thing that we can do? What's the next thing that we can buy or the next activity we can enroll in or the, the best diet? And we get too caught up in the doing. So even giving people things like affirmations or goal setting, which I do work with, it's too much at the start when they're just, their cup is too full. It's like, and it can be hard for some people because 
we are just conditioned to think that we buy something, we do something, it's going to fix us. But a lot of the time we actually need to do a lot less. So I'm really focusing on, okay, we'll do the emotional release work. That empties out a whole lot of stuff. And then all of a sudden you have energy space for new things to come into your life you've got brain space to actually understand what I'm telling you to do um, but we need to create the space first and what other external activities and things can we take out of your life that are consuming more time for you right now because a lot of the time when we process our emotions and we empty out that cup a lot of the things will disappear, the physical pain, the mental ups and downs, the behavioural issues that we might have. And then, yeah, there might be a little bit that's still left that does need to be addressed with supplements, with medication, with somatic movement or something like that, right? But it's first taking all the things away and just starting with a clean slate and giving the person space to actually resonate with, do I feel like I want to do this or am I doing it out of desperation to fix me? I think that's such a good point because that's what um, I know we've chatted before, but that's what I find with total somatics as well is over the years, people will go, um, how many do I need to do of this? And what do I, what should I feel of this? And what about this? And it's like, it's actually, again, having that trust, taking that time, listening, and it's that nurturing, isn't it? And again, having complete trust and faith that there's more things happening subconsciously to keep you alive than what's happening consciously, you know? So it's like, we don't have to worry about our heart rate, you know, it's beating, the heart's beating, the breathing's happening. There's so much keeping us alive, but we have to, like you were saying, it's like, unless we're ticking a box off or we're accomplishing the next thing, we don't think we're actually uh, achieving anything, but just to sit quietly and listen to what's happening internally or just enjoy that moment. It's like you hear people going, oh, oh, when I do this, I'm going to be happy. Or when I do that, I'll be happy. But mm. in a sense, I think with everything that's happened around the world, making us sort of have to stay in one place has been a lesson in itself, hasn't it? Because we've had to learn to actually create a contentment and a, a calmness and a slowing down because we can't book all these things and race everywhere. Um, and yeah. it's almost like there's been a bit of a battle uh, with people thinking, I've got to do this and I've got to do that. And it's like, just be. And just even if it's a small walk in your area, if that's all you can do, just to stop and notice all the nature. And, and if you have to do your holidays in your local area and be a holiday maker within your area, and you actually then realize how good things are when it's less complicated, you don't have to travel miles. But it's the simple, it's, it's simplifying our life, isn't it? Either yeah. less chaotic here or less things in the diary, just to be, you know, simply be. Yeah, and it's getting comfortable that you've actually got space in your diary. And I was saying to my husband, it's like, gosh, do we really distract ourselves with that much stuff when everything's open to drive here, go there, pick this up, and when everything's just so convenient and accessible? And just to talk a little bit more about the point that you were asking about, you know, issues moving around the body and, yeah, talking about the situation that we're in right now where countries are locking down and shops and businesses have to close and then they open again, is that challenges are going to continue happening in your life, regardless of what amazing destiny or pathway you're on. And so it's all about how do we respond to these challenges rather than react to them. And also, if you're waiting for that perfect moment before you engage in something, it's never going to come. Because if you've got that mindset, you're probably very much about perfectionism and so many people 
you know, they get the injury, they get the illness, and then they realise actually how perfect it was two weeks ago. It's true, isn't it? Um, and, I, and when you mentioned about perfectionism, the mindset again, keep coming back to the mindset, but it is that, is that because, again, you're living up here in your head thinking to yourself, I've got to have this fixed by so-and-so date because I want to do this, this, and this. Whereas actually it's delaying the whole healing process, isn't it? We're pushing things down because when we allow your body to start healing and we just allow ourselves to slow down and be comfortable with that healing process, things will happen at its own accord. But it, I think that's half of it. And I don't know if you see this, Jin, but half of it is that people are just pushing themselves, driving themselves, and it's the mental exhaustion. How do you overcome that with that sort of mindset when it might be a gentle release, that cathartic release? How, how do you deal with that? Because it's it's got to be pretty staggered, hasn't it? But keeping that sort of type A personality, because it, it's that, isn't it? That type A personality, yeah. perfectionism, to trust the process, really. Yeah. So I find the type A personalities in doshas, it was really the pitta type person, and they're actually quite driven. They're usually ones for me that they, they get in there and they want more and they do their homework. So I actually find them really easy to work with. Uh, so yeah, but it's uncomfortable. And that's actually really where the coaching comes in because it's really trying to speak to them in different ways, get them to understand well, what does it mean when you stop? Because so much discomfort comes up and actually coaching them into just doing less and that life will be absolutely fine if you probably did 20% of, of what you do because you do have the ability to push. But ima imagine if you just like pushed with just a few things yeah, yeah, where that could grow, you know, where your energy, where your focus goes, your energy grows. That's I think it, that's yeah. the same. Absolutely. <laughs> and I was going to say, so what's mainly most of your work? Is it like the general public or do you see, because you hold practitioner therapist courses as well. So mm. is it a bit of like 50-50 or where would you say a lot of your work is? Yeah. So in terms of, as I said, like with this work, you don't have, I don't specialise in a certain condition. There's definitely conditions that come my way that, um, that other therapists are like, oh, I don't want to touch that. I don't want to go near that. I don't know what to do. But especially embracing all the Eastern philosophies, especially chakras, I just look at the location in the body that is affected by whatever it is and then start to facilitate that emotional process. So, yeah, being an osteopath in clinic, I'm no longer working face-to-face -face with um, people in the clinical setting, was that, yeah, it was anyone or everyone, but typically I would be seeing people who don't respond to traditional, conventional therapies, down to surgery, and they've seen all the specialists, they've had all the tests done, and you know, they've, found, they've been told there's nothing wrong with them, but they know that there's something deeper going on and they're really connecting or they've actually, they've tried to avoid the emotional stuff for a long time. And then that's the last thing that they've got to give a go. So when people are in that state, it's easier for me to work with them because they're kind of fed up and they're like, I'll do anything. Mm -hmm. But when I moved into the online space, I was like, wow, I'm still one person. I constantly had a wait list and that kind of got overwhelming in its, in its own way is that I really wanted more people to be able to facilitate this work and not necessarily in the way that I do it exactly, but in their own intuitive way. So I held a practitioner training for all sorts of therapists and I got conventional and I got alternative therapists on there who were just interested in this. And again, it just broke down the barriers of like the judgment and intimidation amongst qualified and um, 
you know, unregistered versus registered practitioners. Again, we came into this group and just realised we're all human and we actually just want to help people in our own unique way. So, yeah, I do um, a practitioner training to help people facilitate this work in their clients and adapt it to, you know, body workers or coaches, whoever it is you want to operate in this world today. And then I work with some clients one-to-one I just take on a few at a time because it is pretty full on work and to make sure that they've got the support available to them. And then, yeah, when I stepped back from clinic, I all of a sudden had this space and I had a lot of clients saying, when are you going to run some sort of group program for us that aren't practitioners? And I was like, I don't know how I could do that. How, how could I hold a group when you've all got such individual needs? But as I got into training practitioners and working with them and working with more one-to-one clients online, I was like, oh, maybe I could deliver this. And also because, again, I'm only one person. So what would it look like to hold a group? So, yes, I created a group called Release, and that's six weeks, which can be pretty intense, taking you through, teaching the process, but also providing you with support and all the questions that come up when you start to uncover things to, yeah, go in and start processing your stuff, feel the shifts and some of the big shifts and some of the big cathartic stuff that happens, but to not fear it, just to understand it's fascinating. There's an explanation to this. We can tie it into your personality and just to get some guidance. So yeah, I train practitioners who then filter down and work on their clients. And it's amazing because it changes their life too, to just see what is available to them and that they can really work in the way they want to. And then group programs and one-to-one podcast. (laughs) And isn't it so rewarding because you think what you've learned over that time to be able to kind of scatter that around the world and then other people are assisting um, because it's work that's really needed. And and I think more so now than ever, it's kind of gone full circle, isn't it? It was all very, uh, very clinical. And then people have realized how much we need to bring in so much more of that nurturing and that self-care um, rather than things being put in a test tube and trying to put everyone in the same category. Yeah. But when everyone's got a different way of delivering that that message, you know, that you're teaching others, it's very, very powerful to, to support people. So do you have any, I mean, obviously, as we record this, this is into September 2021. And obviously, periodically, I'm I'm sure you've got different things happening. But have you got anything happening very soon that you might want to mention? So I do have my practitioner training coming up. It's called the Emotional Body Training. And that's open to a small group of practitioners who do want to delve deeper um, and they don't want to spend years studying to understand this work and to facilitate it. We go through so much. They get to learn how the the four-step process that I use with my clients and have the support as they're actually doing this. They get to learn about the Eastern philosophies and how I integrate it in a really practical way. So the chakras, the doshas, just basic stuff around communication with clients as well. And we start to go into some business business, um, coaching too, just to give them an idea of how can they actually build a sustainable um, business. So I've got that coming up and I usually run that twice a year at the moment. It might drop down. (laughs) And then my six-week release program, which we're just in the final weeks of that. It's been amazing. That's a a pretty big group. It's um, 66 at the moment, but the energy of the group is amazing. So you can um, join the wait list to be notified of when when that program will be launching again. 
It's and amazing. so where can they find you, Jim? Which What websites can they find you on? Yeah. So the best website that will redirect you to wherever you need to go is drjinong.com. Otherwise, social media, Instagram or Facebook is the best place to keep up to date. And that's the art of listening to your body. Wonderful. And then the podcast is a great listen. It's just like people's pain stories and like the realisations they've had and how they've come through it. So very inspiring. And what I'll do is I'll make sure we put all those links in the show notes so that people can also check there as well. Not a problem. So yeah, great. It's been wonderful having you. And I know that the Total Somatics members have loved um, having you part of their part of their journey, really. So as I said, all the details will be in the show notes. And it's been fantastic with Dr. Jin. And hopefully at some point we can kind of catch up with her again in the future that would be awesome so thank you so much for joining thank you take care thank you for joining me today if you've enjoyed this episode please leave a rating and also forward this on to somebody you know will benefit to learn more about pain relief plus how to improve your health and well-being go to totalsomatics.com until next time take care